Compulsive Overeating Diary, day nine. It's just two days away from a full month that since I started this experiment where I podcast about my thoughts and feelings rather than run for the chips. So I wanna see, is it doing me any good? So far, almost a month in, I'd have to give it a resounding thumbs up. Today I'm walking around my usual park down in my neighborhood. So you might be hearing either some kids playing or my foot as I'm walking, my footsteps, birds singing. It's a beautiful, beautiful Saturday here in Southern California. And it's really pretty temperate and enjoyable. You know, before I get going further, I wanted to give a shout out because it's been so long since I've seen a review on iTunes that I don't even look there. I don't even think to go to iTunes to see if someone's giving me a review there. And when I published the last episode, the one that I did a memory of my uncle, where he's hiking up the mountain, I went to publish it and double check to see that the feed went to iTunes. And lo and behold, there were two reviews. One from Tracy in Pennsylvania, who told me to not give up, that she was happy to, to see a podcast that she could relate to on this topic. And the other from either Merck or Merce. Sorry, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name, but all my love to you too. I know when you guys are deciding what podcast you wanna to listen to, there's thousands and thousands of good podcasts out there on all different manner of topics, you know? And so when one of you decides to download my podcast, whether it's through your podcast app or the website or iTunes, but when you download it and actually listen to it, it's amazing. I'm so amazed by that since I'm such just this normal lady not an expert, not a star, not anything but myself. And you guys have taught me a huge lesson that each and every one of us, obviously, obviously, if I have something to offer, just telling you my thoughts around my number one problem in life, then every one of you has something to offer too. And if I'm worthy, you're worthy. <laughs> Don't you hate it when people lose a bunch of weight and say, oh, if I can do it, you can do it too. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, I could do it too. <laughs> but in this case, it's really, really been humbling to think that you guys would take the time to come and post a review. I mean, that's a lot harder than just clicking a star. That's taking the time to actually write something. That's amazing. You know, I was talking online with my friend Cheryl and she made a comment about how we fill the hole in our heart with the food. 
Now I've heard that before, but it also explains why these comments and outside validation mean a lot to someone who struggles with compulsive overeating. Anyone who's trying to fill a hole in their heart longs for a feeling of acceptance, feeling of worth. And while it's very, very important that we get that feeling of worth primarily from within ourselves through our individual faith or feelings of self-worth so that you have a rock-solid foundation, I must say it feels extremely validating to have others say something good about what you're trying to do and about your work. And my husband thanks you too because it sure keeps me from being such a raging bitch to have me feel happy and validated <laughs> instead of feeling lost, hungry, and pissed off about dieting. Which brings us to today's topic. How the heck do you go on a diet when you're trying to control binge behavior? That's right, this is like the world's worst tightrope because besides the compulsive overeating mind where you're continually thinking about food and your weight, how much you weigh, how much can you eat, what did you eat, what shall we eat, the compulsive overeating mind will calculate every social outing in what can I eat, what won't I eat, what can't I eat. I've even had times where I didn't go to a party or I didn't attend a function or I made excuses because I couldn't deal with not being able to eat or couldn't figure out what I could eat. You know, now that's not good. So anything that's gonna trigger that little compulsive computer brain is a bad thing. So when one is counting one's calories, as I am right now, this is a real danger for compulsive people. We can become obsessed with these calorie numbers and you know, how much is a teaspoon of sugar and this ketchup has one less sugar gram than this one or, or whatever it is. But there's a real danger from counting calories of becoming really deep into food obsession. So that's tricky because as I've said all along, I've been on this game a long, long time and I've lost a lot of weight many times, but I've never kept it off permanently yet. So having a compulsive brain, I worry a little bit about, about what will I do as I'm counting calories again. But the flip side is I also struggle with binge eating disorder. Binge eating disorder is a little bit different from compulsive overeating. Oftentimes they're, they're symptoms in the same person, not always. But with binge eating disorder, you will feel out of control around food and start eating amounts that are far beyond what a normal person, even celebrating on Thanksgiving, would be eating. And you kind of turn yourself off and you just eat and eat and eat and you stuff it down and it's very feelings based, might be somewhat chemical based. But once you start this binge, it's almost impossible for me, anyway, if I'm truly in binge mode, it's almost impossible to stop it. 
you know, you'll get to the end of the chips. It might, might start innocently, like, I'm going to have one serving of ice cream. And I do that. And then I think, I'll have another. And then another. And then half the gallon is gone. And then I think, well, I might as well have the rest of it. And then I feel full. And I go, well, this is sweet. Now I want something salty. So if there's any chips or popcorn around or bread, toasting bread with butter, fat, salt, sweets in combination until I literally cannot move. And binging often, if you read the experts or if you've been to therapy, or I've seen it from my experience, binging often is a result of deprivation, of that feeling, not only am I not good enough, but I'm being punished by not getting to eat. So when you've been dieting, <laughs> we've been dieting, that's obviously not getting to eat. So this is dangerous. It can build up this huge tidal wave of deprivation that can blow you away <laughs> into a situation that is not good for you if you, like me, suffer from binge eating disorder. So you say, well, this doesn't sound hopeful. On the one hand, dieting can trigger my compulsive mind. And on the other side, dieting can trigger a big pit of deprivation that will cause me to binge. So, Lori, what the hell am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Ah, grasshoppers, that's the question. What are we supposed to do? Well, the last six months, I just said, screw it. I'm just not going to worry about it. And I will say my binge eating disorder pretty much disappeared because I was eating whatever I wanted. So I had no deprivation. I was eating how much I wanted to eat. I was eating whatever I wanted to eat. I was going out with friends, having a great time. But I was also putting on at least one pound a week. That's how I got my 23 pounds, I think it was. At 23 pounds in six months was me not binging, but eating whatever I darn well want. Well, that was great from my binge perspective, but I also like to go riding on my bike. I like to go out dancing. I like to go hiking. I like to be able to get off my couch and feel well. I like to be able to put my pants on and not have me struggle to fasten them. I want to not have to go out and find a long length shirt to cover up how weird my pants are fitting on my tummy because I'm really now wearing a size too small. And I don't really want to have to go out yet again to buy another size. As a matter of fact, I did have to go out and buy another size. And that size that I'm wearing right now, 20W, in my pants, it got too small in about a week and a half. So I was really worried. If I kept going the way I was going, I could see myself going right back up to 300 pounds. And I worked too hard and too long losing that to have that happen. So I kind of started off in a self-punishing mode. How could you do this? How could you let yourself go? How could you be so stupid 
How could you let yourself get out of control again? So I was pretty pissed off and also feeling very sad. I mean, the black hole of despair kind of sad because I felt like I was damned if I do and damned if I don't. I didn't want to trigger more binge eating behavior by going on a diet. I certainly didn't want my compulsive eating behavior to get crazy like it did at the end of Weight Watchers when I lost 130 pounds 15 years ago. I was a lot younger then, so exercising wasn't so tough. But as I discussed before, I got a little bit into exercise bulimia and very, very compulsive about what I was eating. But the truth is, to actually lose some weight, you need to eat less than you burn. You just do. So there's a couple ways to do that. You can eat a little less and exercise a little more, which works great if you're already naturally at your maintenance calories. If you're at your maintenance calories already, which I was not, <laughs> if you're at your maintenance calories, then you could eat a little bit less and go for a walk and you could lose maybe a pound a week. But I was on the path of overeating. I was probably eating, well, let, let's figure this one out. If I was gaining a pound a week, that means that I was overeating probably by five or six, 700 calories a day. That'd give you a pound a week. Now, those of you in the calorie wars know five or six or 700 calories are not that much. That could be an extra slice of pizza. That could be that, that scoop of ice cream and a cookie. It's not that hard to eat five to 700 extra calories when you're not paying attention, especially if you're out drinking beers. Beers, a couple of beers can put, you know, 500 calories on you depending on the brand. It's very, very easy. Then there's the whole intuitive eating thing, which I actually do subscribe to and think is a good thing. So look that up, or maybe I can find that as our resource on the show notes today, is the intuitive eating method, where you are thinking to yourself, am I hungry? How hungry? Like eating without distraction, eating slowly, savoring each bite. And when I'm in my compulsive mood, I find that really, really like torturous hell to sit there at my table and take one bite of oatmeal and think, mm, here's this oatmeal, <laughs> and not listen to radio or have TV or newspapers. But the things that you learn giving it a try, I have found valuable. And it helps me very much now to savor my food, what I get of it. So, so far you might be saying, Laura, you're giving us like a ton of shit problems. I'll have to mark this one like R, I guess, or PG for me. But you're giving us a bunch of shit problems, and I'm not hearing any solutions. Well, that's right. If I had the solution for this one, I'd be a zillionaire. My solution for right now, what I'm trying, is to see if by talking to you guys in this podcast, if by talking out how I feel, how much I hate dieting, how much I can't stand these things, how much I hate when I have to go buy a size bigger pants, how sad I am that this is happening to me, how much I wish that I was a natural eater and could just naturally adjust when I've overeaten. You know, the, the naturally thin people 
Well, there's some who are thin who work real hard at it. And as we get older, more and more people are that way. So you can never assume. But there are some naturally same weight people. <laughs> and what they tend to do is if they've eaten a lot, like they had a nice fine meal out and they've eaten a whole bunch, they will naturally not get hungry the next day. They just won't eat as much. They won't feel like it. Imagine that. They just won't feel like it. So their body naturally regulates for them. And it is possible. I do believe it is possible that you could go the intuitive eating route and perhaps your body will reset. That's also kind of the premise behind French Women Don't Get Fat, which is a fabulous read. And there's some very good recipes and also some good tricks and tips in there. And just as a just as a slice of life of how our culture looks like to someone from Europe, I think French Women Don't Get Fat is actually worth your time. But I have been heavy too long. I have my habits ingrained for all the life that I can remember, probably since about five. I said, I remember being skinny at four, fat at five, and super fat at eight. <laughs> and since then, I think I was, my mom took me to Weight Watchers with her maybe when I was eight or nine. I know I was extremely young for a, a Weight Watchers person. Back when you had to eat fish, which I don't eat, make your own ketchup, eat liver. Oh, bah. <laughs> I still remember that. So I've been on diets, Stillman, Adkins, went to fat camp, been there, done that. I have, I have taken off weight, but I've never liked it. It's never been easy. And somewhere in the back of my mind, there was always this sort of subconscious feeling that once I'm done taking off this weight, I'll cross that finish line and oh, thank God, then I can you know, go back to eating like I like. Well, guess what? That doesn't work out very well because eating how I like puts on that pound a week, if I'm lucky. So what am I gonna do different this time? I am counting the calories. But as I discussed in one of my blog postings, and by the way, if you like listening to Compulsive Overeating Diary, stop by my website, compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, because I do blog on days when I'm not posting podcasts. And that's where you'll find my recipes or menus or things that work better in writing than they do in speaking. Now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Senior moment. Oh well, whatever it was, it'll either come to me or it won't. I'm not gonna worry about it. Oh yeah, I was talking about how is it going to be different and part of what I'm doing is I'm eating kind of the same thing. I think I might just be getting ready to change it up a little bit, but I do that so that I won't have to think about it. I just know when I get up, I'm going to be eating my Irish steel cut oatmeal and banana and some milk and on lunch I'm gonna have my nachos that I like to make. And let me tell you, one ounce of chips doesn't even cover a salad plate, <laughs> one layer. So if you're throwing more than that on your, your nacho plate, you're eating more than one ounce. But anyway, that's, a, that's another topic for another day, eyeballing your portions. I use a kitchen scale so I know. And then I can pretty much eyeball it, but I always double check now and again to make sure I'm on the right track.
but I'm also making very, very sure that every single thing I put into my mouth is something I love to eat. Absolutely love to eat it. No diet anything for me, <laughs> nothing. I will eat a smaller quantity of real cheese rather than a bigger quantity of non-fat cheese, which I think is the work of the tasteless, palateless devil. I also won't give up dairy, don't give up grains. I don't give up anything at the moment, even though some of those things may give me health benefits and down the line that may be how I feel. Part of what I'm doing is, okay, you got the calories, but I'm eating whatever I want. I'm also using some of the aforementioned intuitive eating techniques to make sure that what I eat is done very slowly since there's not as much of it on my plate as there was prior. And as I reported to you, it's almost been one month and by the scale, down about eight pounds, energy through the roof. My heart is content primarily because it feels good to get this off my chest and it feels super good when you guys answer me back. So I want to thank you for that. And if you're struggling or if you have a victory or you have something to say, please call my podcast hotline. That number is 206 350 445. It's also on the website. And if you don't want me to use your recorded voice on the podcast, just say, I'm telling you this, but don't use it. <laughs> I won't. I might reference your question, but I won't use your voice. If you don't tell me that, I will use it on the podcast. And I'd love to have some more of you be here so that we can expand our community. Like I was saying to Cheryl, my friend Dee, and to those that know me, my goal besides helping myself is to see if we can't create a community of people around this issue where it's okay to feel however we feel. If you're pissed, be pissed. If you're bored, be bored. If you're sad, be sad. If you're in love with chocolate, it's okay. I've heard it all. I've probably done it all. So, as I'm getting ready to wind up my walk and go back up the hill, Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Just inside my skin